If you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to take a wild guess and say you're likely doing something else at the exact same time. That's the beauty of podcasts. We're talking to you right now, and there you are, walking the dog, taking out the garbage, maybe clipping your nails, whatever. You're multitasking. We all do it. We're busy people. This is why you got to give yourself one less thing to do, one less thing to worry about, and let DoorDash take care of your next meal. Lily loves it, and so will you. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. You want pizza? DoorDash. You want Chinese? DoorDash. You want those nugs with the sweet and sour sauce? DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code NODUNKS. That's $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code NODUNKS. Don't forget, I don't know why you would, I just told you, that code is NODUNKS for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. They're spewing this fear, right? Like, all you hear Donald Trump and all of them talking about fear. We're the ones getting killed. We're the ones getting shot. Uh, we're the ones that we're denied to live in certain communities. Um, we've been hung. We've been shot. And all you do is keep hearing about fear. It's, it's amazing to me why we keep loving this country and this country does not love us back. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Wednesday, August 26th. I'm Jay Skeets, and joining us here as always, we got Tass Mellis. Hey, everybody. Hey, Tassie. We've got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. yo. We have the international man of mystery, taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, making this magic happen here on a Wednesday, JD. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Shout out to everyone joining us live right now on YouTube or everybody downloading and listening to the podcast a little bit later in the day. Keep all of your questions and your comments coming for Thursday's Beach Steppin' Podcast. That's coming up tomorrow. So email in your cues and your comments to nodunksattheathletic.com or tweet them in at nodunksinc. And later today, especially if you're joining us live here on YouTube right now, later today, Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we got a No Dunks Reddit AMA and ask me anything so you guys can jump over there we'll again share the links on all our social media channels and you can get your questions to some of the guys i unfortunately won't be there today i scheduled a weird (laughs) water inspection with some guy about four weeks ago and he finally showing up today talking about french drains down the side of my house so i won't be there but you hear me talk enough as it is so you got tass you got trey and you got lily again no dunks reddit ama wednesday 1 p.m eastern 
And if you want to ask Skeets anything, just email in about that French drain. The people are going to be excited to know what you're actually doing to uh, to combat the water flow problems around you know, the crib. I'm on a bit of a hill here, this water. It's like it could turn into a river down here. Mm. In my house, it's like the corner point. It's just going both mm. ways. I'm worried about the crawl space. You know, I got to put something in here. I'm worried about the cost. I know it's not going to be cheap put those catch basins in there and the big old French drain down the side of the house. Yeah. We're probably going to be five, six Gs. It's going to be brutal. Oh, baby. Do you speak French? No, I don't. No. Hey, where's my money, Lebowski? Oh, where's my money? Yeah, congratulations, yeah, yeah. man. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, okay, we got actually a ton to talk about here on today's podcast. Let's start with the games, though. Only two on yesterday, which was a nice change. Jamal Murray. Scores 42 points. The Nuggets beat the Jazz 117-107 in Game 5. Jazz still lead the series 3-2, but Denver lives to fight another day. Lili, biggest takeaway. Great game. Really good game. Really good playoff game. Intense and tough from the start. And I think Denver, I'm going to give them credit because I think for the first time in this series, they simply played harder for 48 minutes and from the start. Jokic came out in that first quarter, was on fire, hit 21 points, had an incredible shot as the buzzer ended there. Mm -hmm. But uh, still, it felt like the, the Jazz were kind of in control, given what we'd seen so far in this series, that it was like the Jazz are just going to pull away. And they sort of started to do that in the second half. But then, uh, wow, Jamal Murray, man, what a what an incredible run this guy is on right now. Finishes with 42 points and the 33 there in the second half. And they get the win, which is obviously the most important stat here. But I just want to go over a couple of numbers here of his last two games. Sunday, 50 points, zero turnovers. And last night, 42 points, zero turnovers. <laughs> 92 points, 36 field goals made, and 15 assists since his last turnover. Thanks to Tom Haberstro for that. But, I mean, he is just a baller right now. And it's so much fun to watch this guy out there play. Now, in three games in this series, he's had an incredible performance, and they've won two of those games. Mm -hmm. And this is my concern going forward with Denver still, that even though they're still alive, they had such a reliance on their two stars, Jokic and Jamal Murray. Now, they delivered yesterday and they got the win. But outside of those two guys, they're not getting anywhere near the significant uh, production that the Jazz are getting from their role players. And it feels to me that it takes this miraculous effort from Jamal Murray just to keep them firstly in the game. And then when it's close down the stretch like that, it can go either way. And Murray was just so hot that they ended up winning this game. But I still feel pretty good for Utah uh, for the remainder of the series. I think they probably close it out in six games just because they have been the better team and they've shown that. But as far in terms of one game, in a nutshell there, like that was just an incredibly fun game to watch. Uh, but Denver, to me, still just papering over the cracks a little bit too much because the second half, Murray and Jokic didn't sub out. And that just sort of shows you that Michael Malone basically is like, these two guys are our ballers and they can play. Everyone else is kind of interchangeable. You're just hoping to get something from those guys. And you get a little bit from Jeremy Grant. Michael Porter was okay yesterday. I mean, you don't have a lot of faith in him because of his defensive uh, efforts out there. But uh, just an incredible game from Jamal Murray to keep his team alive. But uh, I wonder if it's really just delaying the inevitable. Yeah, but the good thing was the Nuggets did play some defense <laughs> like uh, there were stretches <laughs> there were stretches i tweeted this where it was like it felt like the first time all series long tasks that the nuggets actually strung together you know three or four decent defensive possessions where guys were hustling and there was some rotation and they were getting the ball out of mitchell's hands and making other guys beat them and that was enough i mean jamal murray said it i can put the ball in the hoop but i can't do this without everyone and i think what he means there is 
Don't worry about offense. I got us there. <laughs> no, Jokic, you were nice. You were hitting all those threes in first The round. reverse I'll, Paul George. Yeah, exactly. I'll get us there offensively, but we just got to play some defense, put a few stops together to get back in that game, and then I'll take over from there. But, Tass, yeah, what did you think of uh, the Nuggets at least again? They didn't go down without a fight. Jamal Murray was, you know, he refused to let this team go home, really. I mean, if he doesn't have this performance, they're losing this game because it was still that close, but he's just unconscious there in the second half. Yeah, and I think it just shows the benefit of having somebody else other than your center as your best offensive player because your center is going to be dragged defensively. He's got to do so much, and that's that shows that the first half, Nikola Jokic was great offensively, but they gave up 63 points. They didn't play great uh, defense for the first half. The Jazz got whatever they wanted, but in the third quarter, Nikola Jokic took a step back offensively, didn't score a point but was all in defensively. And that's when they slowed down the Jazz and Jamal Murray could take over. And it just shows throughout the league. It's tough to be, as a center, doing so much defensively and offensively. So yeah, they stepped up in the second half. Jamal Murray, uh, his third of, of five games where he has been amazing. And so, you know, it doesn't bode well that he's going to have another two in a row, but they desperately need it. And uh, they got great, great contributions from a guy like PJ Dozier, uh, who a G League hero has mm-hmm. stepped in. They've been they've been looking for somebody to replace Gary Harris. Uh, Michael Porter has taken a bit of a step back. So Jamal Murray, uh, a monster, and he outdid Donovan Mitchell, who had guys in his face for the second half. Yeah. <laughs> None of the, uh, that was just, it was very different for Donovan Mitchell to see uh, a, a guard in front of him and then Nikola Jokic, who only really had to concentrate on defense and, you know, and chipped in but uh, offensively, but was able to just give the ball to Jamal Murray. And, and so that's a big difference, I think, for, for Jokic. It's even as skinny as he is, uh, <laughs> as much weight as he's lost, it's a tall, tall task for him to do it on both ends. So, you know, kudos to Jamal. It is a blast, and he took some tough, tough shots. Uh, oh, my was, goodness. It was special. It was incredible. He, when he's got it going, I mean, there are a few guys in the league who are as fun to watch, Trey. Well, I, I don't know if I would go that far, Skeets. He's maybe like number 15 on my list, but that just tells you where the NBA is at this sure. point, that Jamal Murray is like a top 25 player, and he would have been the best player in 1985, maybe, outside of Michael Jordan. It's crazy to watch, though. It looked like he was going out of the game with an injury. Then the next thing you know, he's splitting traps and doing a 360 layup, finishing with the wrong hand on the left side of the basket. No problem. That was one of the smoothest-looking moves we've seen down there in the bubble. Uh, but Murray scored 33 in the second half. And the entire Utah Jazz team scored 44. That's the story of the game right there. They locked down on defense, and Murray really took over. Like you guys are saying, it's hard for a center. I'm not going to put it on Jokic not being aggressive. I'm going to put it on the guards, man. Every big guy knows that the guards never pass you the ball at the end of the game because it's hard to get the ball down in there. What do you want, Jokic bringing the ball up? Nah, give it to Murray. He's going to shake and bake. He's going to shoot his little floaters. And when he's on, the floaters, they still look as awkward as they do when he's off, but... The bank shot's money. He was hitting some tough ones that you just, it almost feels like you don't expect him to shoot the ball when he's going to pull there, but it's open and you just don't expect a one-foot runner from 17-foot. When it's going, it looks great. It can look bad when he's not on fire, but last night that wasn't the case, and the defense was great. Dozier really helped coming in. No Paul Millsap really helped, and I think that the Nuggets were helped a little bit by the Jazz thinking they were home. They had a nice lead there in the third quarter. And then it kind of stopped attacking Michael Porter Jr. Porter eventually went out. And surprise, surprise, the defense got a lot better for Denver. What was the better play in this game? I'll give you three to pick from. Uh, Jokic's crazy three at the end of the first quarter. <laughs> Mitchell's dunk on Michael Porter Jr., which was huge. Um, or Murray's 360 layup. 
around Goldberry, which one do you go with? What you got? Oh, it's down to the 360 or the Jokic shot for me because uh, Jokic just off the wrong foot like that coming down at the end of the quarter. I think he was five for five uh, from oh, five for five in the quarter, and then he hit that to go six for six. Murray's was spectacular, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Jokic just because it was a unexpected, I guess. Uh, the way that he just sort of, he comes down, it's like he is confused which foot he's supposed to jump off, but he just let it fly. It went so high in the air. Yeah. And he was complaining that he didn't get a foul call on it as well. <laughs> he wanted the four-point play. So right. uh, I'll take Jokic. Okay, I'm going Murray. Come on, I mean, oh, against Gobert oh, too. Yeah, you can you can say Homer all you want. Like Trey said it. That's the smoothest play we've seen all the entire bubble. That was unbelievable. Yeah, uh, and how he finished too, a little jelly to it. I mean, guy, he's a fun. He is really fun when he's locked in, and he has been locked in for a good chunk of this series. Can he do it for Game Six? And then possibly a game seven. I mean, geez, I don't, well, I he, don't know. You're asking a, a ton ass. from him. But he was just straight up like two minutes ago. He just isoed on Donovan Mitchell. Like this is why this series is hilariously fun. It's like, all right, here we go. It's like feels like um like Rucker Park or something or like Venice Beach. Like it's like uh, we need somebody on the mic like dropping the oh baby, oh baby, because that's what it feels like. It's like all right, here we go. Let's see uh, see if he can break him down. He isoed on Mitchell. He stopped on a dime with like that behind the back dribble, hit the jumper. And then, you know, not long after, like a minute and a half to go, Royce is on him, Royce O'Neal now, and he got to the exact same spot after a nice little, like, crossover, drived at him, created enough room just to get that that jumper, that little step-back jumper to go. And then he did set up Jokic in the corner, corner mm-hmm. uh, really late. Jokic did score in the second half. It was just, like, in the final, whatever, 30 seconds, but he knocked it down. Um, yeah, super fun. I just, um, I'm doubtful he can do it again, like you said, Lee, for another game, and then maybe another game on that, because he's going to have to. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does it. It's just whether or not Denver can sure. commit to themselves defensively and get any sort of contribution from anybody else because Murray is a baller. But I wanted to ask you guys this. Let's, let's, let's make one of these stupid uh, questions. Who would you, if you had to pick one guy, who you're building your franchise around, Jamal Murray or Donovan Mitchell? Oh. What, you, what you got? Ooh. Mitchell. Huh. Mitchell. Yeah. Mitchell yeah. I, I think I even go Mitchell. By far. And I am a, it's more a gigantic Jamal Murray fan, as I've said many times. He's the least Canadian Canadian of all time. And I'm here for it because he's unapologetic. He's wired like an American and I love it. Um, yeah, but I go Donovan Mitchell still too. You know, mm. I, th- I think Mitchell I think Mitchell today is still, uh, his, his yeah. complete body of work is still better than Murray's. But uh, Murray can sort of keep this up for a season. I think it's, uh, it's a lot How old is Donovan closer. Mitchell? How old is he? I know Murray's uh, not even 20, 24. 23 in a lot of days. He's almost oh. 24. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they're yeah. pretty close in age, I guess. Yeah. 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 Well, you can't go wrong maybe with either of them. No. <laughs> they're, no. they're fun to watch. And you're right. I thought it was over. I thought the series was over. I mean, as great as Jokic was early, the Jazz, for yeah. all, all series long, have dominated the third quarter. And they had a lead at the half. And then they built it up at the start of the third quarter. I'm like, well, that's a wrap. I mean, it's a 15-point game. The Nuggets are going to like, okay, we're done with this place. Let's just go home. And then, yeah, they finally got a few stops going. And then Jamal caught fire. And they actually won the third quarter, and they kept the Jazz to a very respectable, like, 23 points. Um, And then they were suddenly back in this game. But, yeah, I thought for sure they were done. I don't know about you guys watching this one. I was like, all right, well, this series is over. Let's start looking ahead to who they're going to play, the Utah Jazz. But it's still potentially a series. I mean, you wonder, is the pressure on the Jazz now to win game six? Even though there's no home court advantage and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Are you saying it's a must-win game for the Jazz? I don't know. It... (laughs) 
Kind of. Well, oddly, suppose, feels yeah. like it might be, but well, yeah, it's so silly because again, there's no home court. You're not going back to play in the uh, the altitude there mm-hmm. in Denver for a game seven. So I don't know. I guess it sort of feels that way to me. And yeah. anything could happen. I don't know. Well, the thing is that neither of these teams is super consistent, right? And that's kind yeah. of been the shock is that the Jazz looked pretty consistent through uh, the first four games and the first three quarters of this one. They just didn't do it in the fourth quarter of game five. Uh, it's also very strange to be watching this game at like seven o'clock because both of these teams are in mountain time. So you're thinking, wow, this is a this is an early game for them. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. They're just in Orlando playing basketball like they have been for the past couple of months is it a must win in game six yeah you don't want to go to a game seven jamal murray's got a game seven win under his belt oh yeah got a little more experience in the game sevens they had two of them last year you're not wrong uh yeah, jordan clarkson too for the jazz <laughs> played really well in the first half and then couldn't hit a shot in the second half that was a big part of this game too because he was rolling in the first quarter first half excuse me um and then he's been good for a lot of this series he's been incredible off the bench but you know he's that's Jordan Clarkson, I think. I feel like, uh, you know, you're asking a lot if you need him to try and score you 25 every game. He's going to have his moments, but uh, he went ice cold. He was just missing some shots, and he's going to keep shooting them. That's the thing oh, with yeah. Jordan Clarkson. He's yeah. going to keep shooting them. But luckily for the Nuggets, he, uh, he missed. Anything else to add to this one? I just want to see how uh, Denver comes out in the first half of game number six because they saved their season with their backs against the wall when they came out of the locker room, not in the first half, but in the second half. That's... That's what happened. They really just saved their ass when it was absolutely against the wall. They've got to do it for a full game. And and so I'm not really inspired by them coming out when they see only 24 minutes on the clock or we're going home. Uh, it's going to be tough, I think, for them to do it another two games. I, I just don't believe in that defense. And uh, yeah, so Clarkson and Donovan Mitchell saw some more bodies at them. Uh, but I think they responded pretty well. And uh, I think they'll handle it pretty well going into the next game. Utah, I think the pressure is more on Denver to respond again than it is on Utah to come out and score. I think Utah will be absolutely fine the way they've been. They've handled themselves here through uh, through five games. I am a little worried about Royce O'Neal having the yips. One, of, you know, their mm. their perimeter player that gets the ball in the fourth quarter. Because it's going to get swung out of Donovan Mitchell's or Jordan Clarkson's hands if if they pressure the way they pressured, and I assume that'll be the game plan. Russell Neal's got to shoot it. You can't be Rick Ankeel out there. Just let her fly, <laughs> man. Let her rip. You need yeah. you need just at least to shoot because he can't shoot. And he's been pretty confident all the way up until the end of Game Five. I, I don't know what happened there. He just stopped shooting. There was that one play where he got the travel right. Because he was mm-hmm, like, yeah. didn't want to shoot it, and didn't know what he was going to do with it. And they're like, all right, you're, you're dragging your feet all over the place, man. That's a travel. Yeah, and watch for how aggressive Jokic is again in game six. I mean, that's the thing. He was from the jump in this one, you know, letting it fly, knocking them down. He's got to do that. I mean, he's as uh, he can put Gobert underneath the basket because of his size still, but Gobert ain't going to get out there and challenge those shots. I mean, he's they're going to live with that. So Jokic has to be aggressive with the three-pointer again, I think, early in this to uh, at least try and keep it close enough. And, of course, they've got to pair that with a little bit of defense to uh, maybe give us a Game 7. We want some Game 7s in the first round, right? I guess we're sort of cheering for the Nuggets in a Game 6. I know. <laughs> sure, I, uh, why not? Yeah, yeah sure. Game Seven's always fun. We're going to Game 7, baby. We can play that drop. You know, everybody loves that. Mm. All right. Moving on here. The other game yesterday, Clippers roll past the Mavericks. 154 to 111 to take the 3-2 series lead. Tass, 154 to 111. Mm. This was a beatdown. What a show. Paul George came out and forced it a little bit. He went to his shots, and those shots went down. 
Pandemic P became playoff P, 35 points, and we'll get to your your bet in, in a second here. But I think we've sort of all been overlooking Kawhi's performance. Kawhi has been the best player in the playoffs. He's been ridiculously consistent and a huge reason why I think the Clippers should still be the championship favorites. He had 32 in this one, 22 in the first half. He was an angry fella. Yeah. He has scored 29, 35, 36, and back-to-back 32s ridiculously consistent, ridiculously efficient. He's a robot on both ends, and he's he's been great on the defensive end too. And we've sort of just been overlooking it because Luca has been great, uh, but he had that great steal there at the end of the third quarter that's been going around off of Boban, and he passed it to Reggie Jackson on the offensive end. Reggie misses, and then you can see Kawhi. I didn't give the ball up for that shit. Because it was a bad pass. <laughs> and Kawhi is locked in. And it shows you, yeah, this, when this team is locked in, uh, they can put up those, you know, Bill 50s. It's a ridiculous number to see, but they put up that many points. And I think the other thing uh, that this Clippers team has is that nastiness. Uh, I mentioned after the, the game three, and I want to get your guys' opinion on this. Mm-hmm. I like when Doc Rivers' teams are nasty to a point, because I think that's when they win. They're at their best. Doc Rivers wants a couple guys on his team, like a Draymond Green in Golden State, to be a little feisty. He's got a number of them: Patrick Beverly, Montrezl Harrell, and Marcus Morris, yep. uh, who have been who've been a little feisty throughout this series. And Marcus Morris has been dragged through the Twitter mud because he apparently stepped on Luka Doncic's ankle on purpose, and the video going around and around on Twitter. I honestly think that he did go and try and get his ankle on purpose. Whoa, uh, he says he didn't, Tass. He says, how yeah. dare you? Yeah, I, I watched the footage over and over and over again. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Luca is getting the ball from an inbound. And it's just, you know, standard inbound under his own hoop after, uh, after a bucket. And Marcus Morris flies across the court and almost does a Euro step to step on Luka Doncic's ankle. And I, I think that's the whole, there's a plan there. And that's to be a little nasty with Luka. Luka you know, shook it off and was fine, although he's obviously hobbled. Uh, but let me know, what do you guys think? Do you think Marcus Morris did on purpose? Because from my perspective, he did. And, and, and that's, you know, as, as Close as we can get to a, a Detroit Pistons bad boys here in the 2020s, <laughs> we're not going to get anywhere close. But I think the Clippers with that, the nastiness level, the way they talk, is probably the closest we're going to get. And, and Marcus Morris does have a reputation for being uh, a little bit aggressive. And mm-hmm. I think he was just a little bit aggressive there. And and that's not outside of the sort of the unwritten rules of basketball in the history of basketball. But uh, it was intentional. I yeah, don't know. I agree. I, I don't um, know if he did it intentionally. Go ahead, Trey. I think that was, and you're right, Tass. The the Clippers talk like they're the bad boys, but Marcus Morris walks the walk like he's a bad boy. He's the kind of guy that would step on your ankle if he knows it's hurt, and that's probably why they brought him, to bring a little bit more toughness. We saw it in Game 1, basically getting Chris Stapps ejected. Um, so I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm not really going to give a Morris brother the benefit of the doubt on this one. They're starting fights with everybody. <laughs> yeah, intentionally or unintentionally, I think it is safe to say the Clippers are the villains here of the NBA bubble now. They've leaned all into that. Um, and you just saw people, you know, despite them winning this game huge and Kawhi being that robotic, you know, killer and, and Paul George, playoff P, having the, the bounce back performance. People just hate a lot of people hate the Clippers because it feels like they have this sense of entitlement. And they haven't won collectively anything yet, but they sort of carry themselves 
like like you're saying, like the bad boys, like the team like that is uh, that that are the champs already, and that rubs people a lot the long the wrong way. Uh, I love it. I love having a team that everybody hates. It makes things way more exciting. But there are a lot of guys you went through them all that are not afraid to to obviously be barking on the sidelines, maybe playing a little more dirty than some of the other teams will. Um, I don't know. I love it. I love it from the narrative standpoint. I'll tell you that. And uh, these teams hate each other. They're officially tired of each other. I mean, which I love in a playoff series too. You get to game five or six, and it's been close, and you know it's it's been chippy at times already. And then you get that far in, and I was like, okay, I'm tired of playing you. I hate you now. And Rick Carlisle ejected in this one. You know, again, a testy game. We had six technicals overall. The flagrant foul that was Tim Hardaway Jr. winding up and popping PG uh, in the face or in the head on a drive. Morris with this stepping thing. Yeah. They hate each other. They're tired of each other. I love it, but uh, I don't know. I don't know about Morris. It's, I see what you guys are saying when you watch it. It's a weird step. It's a weird step, or is, is he just a sort of a bigger guy being a little clumsy and not knowing not where Luca's big. foot is? He's the same size as Luca. Well, yeah, I mean, big in the sense. Yeah, you're right. He's not a bowler. I don't big, know. The but... Clippers are a little annoying. All of their trash talk is coming from guys who are on the bench, and most of it's coming from Patrick Beverly, who's not even playing in this series. But on the mm-hmm. flip side, there's no fans there. Somebody's got to get this team fired yeah. up. So you got to bring a little bit of energy when you're on the bench. But, you know, it'd be nice to see Beverly actually step on the court and then back up his trash talk. And, you know, Marcus Morris... I don't know, man. He's got an entire half of a basketball court. He could have stepped anywhere, and he ended up stepping on the injured guy's injured ankle. Come on. Okay, but then I will say I will say he does feel like the type of guy, if he did it intentionally, that he would own it. I don't know. I get that vibe from him. He would say after the game, yeah, he's out there with a, you know, a tweaked ankle. Let's put it to the test. Or like he would even play it like dumb a little bit. Like, I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. But he leaned into like, I didn't mean to do it. I didn't intentionally mean to step on him. So, okay, think whatever you think. That's all. That's all that. Uh, yeah, that's you a think? fair point, but he probably yeah. also doesn't want to get suspended for a playoff Maybe. game. So Maybe. you're going you're gonna to back yourself. But I also feel like this is a place where the in-arena DJs could be a little bit better. Because like you're saying, we've had a lot of tense moments between these two teams. They've gone even close to getting close to uh, forehead to forehead. This is when the in-arena DJ needs to pipe in the booze because that's what you would hear in a playoff game, yeah. right? Like if Marcus Morris steps on Luka Doncic's ankle in Dallas, the crowd's going crazy at him. We need to hear those booze. Pipe in the booze. I don't think the players are going to be offended that a DJ is playing booze for them even though uh, last night's even game was in LA there. Well, okay, fair enough. Yeah. But I mean, they did it, you know, in game four yeah. uh, was when the forehead to forehead almost went down. There are times when you could, uh, you could beef up the atmosphere, no doubt about it. Mm. Lee, what I do mean, you think about all yeah, this? Well, well, the thing is, often when a player has got an injury, the other team does go after it sometimes, you know, in a subtle way. So that's not completely uncommon. But I also think that the the Clippers probably have underestimated Luka Doncic. The fact that it's a series is now even 3-2, I think has sort of got the Clippers to uh, focus a little more. Because I think when they saw it, they came into this series and, and you know, they, they have got the better defense and they've got, a, you know, well, not a better offense, but they've got more weapons, I guess, overall. The Clippers probably thought we're going to win this series in four or five games. But that that game four win that made it 2-2, I think that really sort of shook the Clippers up. And they came out in this one so focused and so determined to say, you know, especially with no Porzingis, like we don't want to get to that position again with Doncic. And I mean, he's been so good. I think the Clippers are trying to make it like send a little message to say like, you know, we want to hurt this guy. We want to beat him up. We want him to know what it's like to be in the playoffs without doing anything you know, completely dirty or illegal, but those little sort of niggly things that you do, I mean, that that's kind of what happens in the playoffs. So, uh, and, Mar- and Morris is there for that reason in a lot of ways as well. Like he's the sort of guy who's out there who's going to, uh, you know, throw a few bumps and bruises around and try to get the other guys off their game. So uh, it's, yeah. it's but, pretty But if he common. intentionally stepped on Luca's ankle, foot, 
is that dirty? I mean, do you believe that's crossing a line? I mean, well, it's not like a guy going in for a layup yeah. and, you know, you're putting a little bit more into the foul. I mean, it's not. Yeah. It's, it is different. I mean, it, it's certainly approaching that dirty territory. If he goes over and just boots him, of course, that, that clearly is. But <laughs> at the same time as well, you sometimes just want to l- remind the guy, hey, we know your ankle's hurting. Like, we, yeah. well, we're coming close to it. You know, it's all that mental, uh, the, the mental game that you're playing with teams. So... Again, I, I I don't you know it's different if you see a guy just like lay another guy out. That's that's completely dirty. But a little bit of like, hey, how's that ankle, man? How's that ankle? You know, just sort of testing it out. <laughs> it's it's okay. I mean, that, that's what happens in the playoffs. Everyone's trying to win. Everyone's trying to compete. And um, you know, those are those are the sorts of things that happen. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt Luca thinks he did it intentionally. If you saw his comments after the game, without saying yeah, so as much, he's saying I hope he didn't. But uh, you know. Yeah, that, pro- that, those sorts of did. responses are standard. Morris, I didn't do it on purpose. Luca, yes, you did. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what happens. You know, the, the person who's accused of it, nah, what are you, crazy? And the person who gets hit, like, you absolutely did. Like, because, you know, these athletes don't clumsily just all of a sudden put my foot near your foot. I true, mean, there's, true. you know, they know exactly the other, what they're doing. Yeah, the other thing I would add to that, and Luca said this, is like, he was talking junk all game, right? He's yeah. talking trash all game. I mean, he's not being polite all game, and then suddenly now my ankle is being stepped on. Yeah, you're yeah. going to put, you know, you know, two and two together there, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. So playoff P, though. Let's give him a... Some credit here. Yeah, like, the game was over in the first quarter, Tass. I mean, the Clippers went on a 32-6 to run in the final 8.30 of the quarter. They came back from 21 points in game number four. Yeah, so, but... Uh, I suppose oh, it felt, obviously it felt different because they didn't give up that lead. That's for sure. It was yeah, a, yeah. an abomination. Do you think they played Luka a little bit differently, too, defensively? Like, uh, in, in throwing more guys at him and, and trying to, obviously, get a little more physical with them? Like, or, like, what, what was your take on that? Because some people were saying, bit. well... Well, nothing changed. It was just Luca missing shots or whatever. What's your take on that? They made sure they got their good guys on him. Uh, a little less Reggie, a little more Kawhi, Marcus, Paul George. Right. And, and I think that was the important part. And Doc Rivers had said it after game four. We have not executed against LeBron. Or, uh, LeBron. I called him LeBron. Luca Braun. Yeah, he's entering that stratosphere. Well, not quite. <laughs> but yeah, he is entering that that conversation. Is he at the table? Anyway, uh, yes, I, I, I think they just... Got their good guys on him. I think that was the the number one priority, and and, and it helped for sure. It definitely and it also the adrenaline of Game Four had subsided for Luca. You know that was uh, was an incredible performance. Chris Stapps doesn't come back again, so you could expect uh, a bit of a you know a deflating performance from them. And Kawhi got his fresh straight backs hairdo, and when you know, just watch Kawhi Leonard if he comes out of the locker room with his fresh straight backs. If he got those. Those locks tightened up, uh, as Kayla Gray said. He's ready. The guy is ready. He's been ready all freaking series. Yeah, I'm not worried about uh, him but, at all. It was playoff uh, B who was ready in this one. 35 points, 25 minutes. 12 of 18, four threes, three boards, two assists, and he won me $10. When you pay me the $10, Lee? You got to Venmo <laughs> you want, me that uh, money? Yeah, we cash app or Venmo these days. What are we on? No, I'm, a, I'm a Venmo guy right now. Okay. Cash app I'll don't pay us no more. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, listen, I will, I will say like a great performance from Paul George, but I also want to give him credit for admitting after the game, you know, he was in a dark place and he went and saw the Clippers team psychologist mm-hmm. and he said afterwards, I underestimated mental health, honestly. I had anxiety, a little bit of depression from being locked in here. I just wasn't here. I was checked out. Games two, three, and four, I wasn't there. And I think that takes courage for Paul George to admit that to a national TV audience. I know we are trying to re- uh, release the stigma of admitting uh, to having any mental health issues, but Paul George coming out there and saying, I had it, and then he went and dealt with it, and look at the performance that he uh, that he put in there yesterday. So I just think that uh, that is something that you know he probably was dealing with that and thinking he could just shake it off, but instead he went and spoke to someone 
and and he had a you know incredible game for it. So I think uh, he deserves a lot of uh, applause for that for for standing up and not being afraid to admit that he needed help and he went out and got it. And uh, and you can see the results of just speaking to somebody, you know, and talking to somebody. So I think that's uh, truly uh, a great thing that Paul George did. So you think that did uh, more to affect his outcome in Game 5 than Shaq maybe sort of texting him? <laughs> Shaq texting Montrez Harrell to tell him to score a bunch of points? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, Skeetsy, though, with our $10 bet, I think I should appeal because... I think those last eight points came in garbage time. I don't think oh, those ones should. You're lucky. I mean, I mean, well, I guess I'm lucky. I thought I was like, oh man, yeah. he's having an awesome game, but they're destroying them, and he's not going to play a ton in the second half, and yeah. he's going to come up short. He's going to have like 28, 29, 30 points, and I'm not going to win this bet. But I think because of Game Four and because of how testy yes. this game got. Doc Rivers and that squad, they were trying to send a message. There's there's yeah. no doubt. This is not how NBA games go, playoffs or not, where a team's up like 45 points or whatever it got to. That usually just shrinks down to like 20, right? It's yeah. garbage time, takes your stars out. You know, we still have games to play in this series. This is the first round at that. But they were like sort of pedal to the metal, like, no, let's bury them. Uh, this, yeah. is a, this is a bit of a release for playoff P to get him going and just for our entire team to get this big win. So yeah, I got lucky a little bit, I'll admit, but what a call by me to switch up my Middleton <laughs> bet. Oh man. Great move. I loved it. I guess it was yeah. you, Lee, that gave me the offer. So thank you for yeah. uh, giving me 10 bucks. <laughs> yeah, Lee just uh, figured yeah. out a way to give you 10 bucks. You gotta yeah. love it. Well, uh, that's it. Oh, it's just like at the casino, you know, you've got that money, you're winning the bet, and you're like, all right, I just want to throw it in there and see if I can uh, get end this bet right now. So I'm glad it's over. I'm glad so do I win another bucks. $10 if Middleton goes for 35 Ooh, you want to double or nothing? No, I don't. I don't like that. Come on! Oh, come on! No. 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 no, I am walking away from the table. I'm going straight to my room. I'm, I got my blinders on. I'm not looking at the roulette table. I'm not seeing Tass over there at the bar saying, hey, one more? Nope, yeah. go right to my room. Right Smart my room. move. Smart yeah. move. Take, Take that 10 bucks and enjoy it. it. Um, just before we move on from this, uh, we don't know KP's situation, whether he's going to play in game six, but is this series a wrap? I mean, have the have the... Blaze, or the Mavericks, excuse me, put up a good fight, but uh, it'll be over uh, come game six. Trey, what do you think? You can't count out Luka right now. There's no doubt about that. He's still a little hobbled, and if the Clippers are going to be committed to keeping their longer, better defenders on him, that hurts. You, It definitely feels like this is tilted towards the, South, uh, towards the Clippers. You know, we didn't have a great Seth Curry game yesterday. We didn't have a huge Trey Burke game, and those have been a couple of guys who have perpo- yeah. performed really well for the Mavericks so far. They've got to all play great in uh, game six, and it's going to be tough. You know, elimination games are the hardest for the team that's trying to do the eliminating, so maybe you got a little bit of an advantage there if you're the Mavericks knowing you got 48 minutes to save your season. It feels like uh, like the Clippers have figured something out. We have our best guys guard their best guy, and our best guys are going to show up. And, yeah, Lee, you're right. You totally nailed it about Paul George. Unfortunately, I hated or I loved every single word of what he said after the game. As soon as he said the bubble got to me, I 100% felt for the guy. I was like, at least he's admitting it. At least he's being honest about what's been going on uh, for him since the pandemic P jokes have started. He was playoff P last night. I was rooting for him. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And I felt great when uh, when he admitted that things had gotten dark for him. Who among us haven't been sitting there looking at our phones, scrolling, 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 letting the negativity fill your mind to the point yeah. where it really uh, just throws you off your day. For most of us, it doesn't happen during the NBA playoffs, but for him it did. So credit to him for showing up and credit to him for being honest about what was going through his mind. 
Did Playoff P take to Instagram last night to like uh, shut up the haters with a post at all? I didn't check, so I, I don't know. Yeah, you can look that up. But uh, Tass, what do you think? Is this on a wrap? Uh, you know, the, the the Mavs have played well. We don't again. We don't know Chris Tapps Porzingis. If he plays, I think it's a different game. I think there's a potential to maybe give us a game seven. But I don't know if they would even risk that at this point, right? Yeah, the Mavericks organization is uh, definitely hesitant. They they play it yeah. safe with their stars, uh, but the Clippers do have their second best player back. They just walloped with a 150 spot on the Mavs. And we hear these numbers year in and year out about, well, this team in a, sorry, in a 3-1 situation, it's this percentage that this team is going to win. And this number has kind of just flown over my head, but game fives are pivotal. They're pivotal. They're pivotal, man. 82%. 82% if you win game five when it's 2-2. Wow. And Ernie Johnson said it yesterday. And my God, I've been talking about basketball for 15 years, and I forgot that number. It just it sort of skipped my mind. But I guess it also was just reaffirmed with this Clippers team and the showing that they put on it. That 82 sounds more like 95. It just feels like that that number is just so strong right now. Because, yeah, the the best team has, has shown up. And they they showed up for for parts of games and but now now it's yeah Kawhi time like they just like last year they didn't want to put Kawhi that the Raptors did on the other team's best player and and not that he was the the Luca stopper yesterday I think he was sort of the Trey Burke stopper to, to start which was mm. important uh, but uh, they they just know that uh, we got to stop this guy Luca's shown um, but you know the nastiness level dirty or not. I think is important for this for a Dockers and Clippers team, and, and they've got all the ingredients to win. Let's uh, take a quick break here to hear from our sponsors because we got a lot more news. But uh, JD, what do you got for us here today? If you're looking for a couch, Burrow be better. That's that. <laughs> yes, we're gonna make that stick. I swear to God. Uh, listen, I got a bunch of couches around here, and they are all just blah. Uh, my brother gave me this one over here. It's fine. Shout out to Ryan. I like it well enough, I guess. Matteo gave me one too. Uh, it's also fine. It's upstairs in Lincoln's room right now, buried in dirty laundry. Uh, one of our couches is more of a daybed uh, that we bought for Jackson when he graduated from his uh, his toddler bed. The thing is, we let him pick it out, and he was four at the time. And listen, he's got he's got taste. The kid has taste, but back then he didn't know anything about beds or couches. So uh, the point is. I got a lot of couches that I don't love, and frankly, it's sad. I'm a 49-year-old man. I should love my couch. And uh, as Skeet says, burrow, be better. (laughs) You can customize your couch exactly to your specification, fabric color, leg finish, armrest style, and length. You can add a chaise lounge. Is it chaise or chaise? Could you ask your French drain guy that, please? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll ask Steven. I think he's actually trying to call me here. So hurry up this podcast. (laughs) Uh, Or you can add an ottoman or both. You can assemble your sofa or break it down in minutes, and you don't need any tools. I love that. Uh, And if your seating needs change, you can add or remove seats to convert your love seat into a sofa, into a sectional, and back. And by the way, Burrow's Genius Sleep Kit transforms your comfy sofa into an even comfier bed. So go to burrow.com slash no dunks to get $75 off your purchase, plus fast and free shipping. See site for details. That's B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash no dunks for $75 off. Remember, Burrow, be better. 
<laughs> it's good. It's great. It's really catchy. Good. Catchy. Very catchy. All right. Well, it's my turn to talk about shaving your balls. And uh, <laughs> let's just be honest here. After the ad reads we had for Manscaped this week, from Lee's Boom Boom Room Adventure with Roxy to Tass ta- talking about shaving his entire body while doing squats in the shower. <laughs> I'm not really sure what else I can add, um, but the Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. We know that because it says 3.0. It's the third generation. And at this point, Manscaped has mastered the art of shaving your body. The first cell phone I ever had was the iPhone 3G. True story. And the first and last trimmer will be the Lawnmower 3.0. When you get to the third generation, that's when they nail it. <laughs> Both great products when it comes to soft and hardware. What? I don't know. False. <laughs> we all know the Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved lawn mower waterproof cordless body trimmer, some sweet performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for whenever we can travel again. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC20. Guys, listen. Do yourself a favor and take your grooming game to the next level. All right. We got some news here. Bucks superstar Giannis Antetokounmpo was named the 2019-20 NBA Defensive Player of the Year on Tuesday. The 25-year-old beat out Anthony Davis and Rudy Gobert to earn the honor for the first time in his seven-year career. He received 75 first-place votes, so he sort of ran away with this one. Was anyone shocked from Giannis taking DPOY, and uh, are they upset like the Lakers fans are that Anthony Davis didn't grab this? You know, Anthony Davis had a lot of marketing going towards his Defensive Player of the Year candidacy, and it felt like Giannis's candidacy was going to be, oh yeah, I'm the best defensive player on the best defensive team, and that's what won out, and that's what should have won out. Uh, is it a surprise? I don't really think it's a surprise, and to me, it's like barely even an announcement, because we're more excited for Giannis to win his second MVP, and then therefore become the third player ever to have a Defensive Player of the Year and an MVP in the same season joining Jordan and Elijah on. Those are a couple of legendary names. It's a legendary thing to be considered the best player in the league and also the best defender during the same season. So this is very cool for Giannis. He has been an incredible defender. There is a good system in in Milwaukee that really plays to the strengths of the players they've got around. And there were some cases to be made for Brooke Lopez as their most important defensive guy. But I think uh, this really shows that despite the fact that Lopez is a great rim protector and that he is instrumental to the Bucks as a quality defense, it really is Giannis that makes the show go because it makes it so that Lopez can be at the rim. It makes it so that uh, Giannis is a guy that can clean up all the mistakes that even if a Brook Lopez makes, he can guard so many different guys. And of course, he's grabbing the rebounds too, which is an important part of defense. So very cool for Giannis. Uh, not a surprising award, and it's going to be even more awesome when he's got... Uh, Two trophies to put up on his mantle this year. Yeah, they should have they should have done them at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that would have been badass. But uh, yeah, the numbers are there in Giannis's favor. Uh, defensive rating ninety seven point one, best in the NBA by a mile. Also ranked number one in defensive win shares, defensive box plus minus. Um, yeah, not much of a surprise. Maybe a surprise that he got as many first place votes as he got, mm-hmm. um, and also a surprise some of the other votes that we saw in this league. Um, <laughs> Some perplexing ones. Ah, uh, yes. One Andre two, Drummond, yes. Hassan yes. Whiteside. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, yes. look, Hassan Whiteside, um, as a help defender, uh, contributes to his team. He comes over and gets block shots. But as a pick and roll defender and as a post defender, he's awful. Yeah, awful. And he's also uh, a very bad effort defender. And I think that's really what stands out to me as well about Giannis is that Giannis is always hunting down 
opportunities on the defensive end to steal, to create deflections, to block shots. That Giannis gets dunked on quite a few times throughout yeah. the season because he's chasing so many, uh, he's trying to stop so many shots. But Hassan Whiteside, he often just doesn't even try and doesn't even make the effort to even look like he's trying. So, um, you know, you can look at stats and say, well, this guy gets a lot of blocks. That must mean he's a good defender. But if you watch the game and you see the way that Whiteside contributes on the defensive end, he doesn't deserve anywhere near the consideration for defensive player of the year that someone like Giannis does. And, and, and Giannis knows that, uh, you know, the defense starts with the leader of the team. And Brook Lopez has been great, but Giannis is a, is a much better defender. And uh, overall, he's the one that just gets things going for them. And that's what makes them such a good team this season. Starts on that defensive end. So worthy winner. Happy to see him do it. And uh, yeah, he's going to have... He's going to join Jordan and Akeem Elijah, and I think Elijah one's the only guy though who actually won a championship in that uh, the the season that he won both of those awards. So that's mm. something that uh, that Jordan wasn't even able to achieve, and right. that'll be uh, pretty interesting if Giannis will join uh, Hakeem in that situation if uh, if the Bucks going to win it all. Only five players have ever won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. Like you know, you said Jordan yeah. and Elijah one did in the same season, and uh, Giannis will very likely join that club. But only five guys ever: Giannis, Jordan, Elijah one, and then David Robinson has both, and Kevin Garnett has both. I saw Josh Eberly note that we might need a nickname for this extensive club, so we'll throw that at the YouTube comments. I mean, what what do you call this very unique mm. club of having both of those? Only five, you know, all time. Pretty damn amazing, unbelievable list there. So I don't know. If I'm sure I, Lee would like to find a way to work double ender in there somehow. <laughs> MVPD. <laughs> nope. No, that's what happens. This is that not a manscaped ad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, great comment though uh, from John Chua. Speaking about manscaping, he says Drummond, talk about manscaping. Yeah, well done. Nice. Well done, well nice. done, John Chua. If you know about Andre Drummond's body history. That'll be funny to you. Drummond getting a first place vote. I guess it was the same voter. Uh, I believe his name was Greg Logan. He's owned it. I mean, uh, he's he's on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. That he had Drummond first overall defensive player of the year and uh, Whiteside number two. Well, he, he, he owned it, but I believe that tweet has been deleted. Though. Yep. Oh, well, well, I believe. They, they should really also own it. remove his voting credentials. I'm sorry. I don't know Greg Logan personally. Um mm. But uh, put a little too much stock into the rebound numbers there, maybe? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I thought this was a great throwback vote. This was a vote from, like, 2010, maybe even earlier, 2005. You look at the numbers, you're like, wow, Hassan Whiteside led the lead in blocks? That's actually surprising. Number two to me. His numbers don't quite add up, though, to the numbers of Andre Drummond, so he's got to be number one. <laughs> don't watch the games. Just look at the numbers. He yeah. did have Giannis third, I think, on his ballot. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, he Giannis it. pretty good. Yeah, um, it is. A, it is a interesting too. You know, with this award, uh, it goes generally to someone that excels more defensively than they do offensively, right? That's you know Noah's and the Greens and the Go Bears. So it is. Uh, it's not refreshing, but it's sort of cool. I mean, even if it, AD had won it, to see a guy that like, oh yeah, I can also give you thirty every night. Um, is also maybe the best defensive player in the league, or is. So uh, that, that was pretty cool. We also had votes for Ben Simmons and Bam Adebayo and Marcus Smart and, and others receive votes. And I think only really the Drummond and Whiteside one were the crazy ones. You get the odd, like, Jared Allen getting, like, a, you know, a third-place vote because people do that. They're like, this doesn't really mean anything, this third-place vote, whatever it counts for. So <laughs> I'll just give it to a guy that I like and has been good. Not that he's been a bad defender by any means, but, yeah. Anything else to add to this, Tass? You weren't shocked with Giannis there? Did you like the uh, Did you like the ceremony? I know you were big on the Nick Nurse one. Did you like how they did this one with Giannis? Uh, he had his whole team there and the coaches and stuff like that. 
Well, Giannis was definitely pretty emotional about yeah. this about this one. He was uh, he he was it got to him definitely got to him. I can't wait to see his MVP speech. How emotional he's going to be for that. And I think the uh, the Bucks will turn it up a notch. They're probably saving uh, the fireworks for uh, for the MVP ceremony. Just you know, maybe get a little more special, maybe a little surprise. Mm. And don't worry that. They didn't do it together. I'm sure they'll bring up the Defensive Player of the Year trophy. I did want to see a little bit more of a comic relief from Brooke Lopez. I mean, that was <laughs> he was sitting right there. Brooke handed him the trophy, if you didn't see it, when the announcement was made. Uh, but you know, no real jokes from Brooke Lopez. Nothing. Nothing really from Brooke. Just a couple just a couple stares across. If you just watch <laughs> if you if you want a creepy stare, just put the camera on Brooke Lopez. Mike, <laughs> my goodness gracious. Just have an ISO cam of that guy. Uh, some creepy stares across. But it was nice to to hear Giannis uh, emotional about it and uh, and also Mike Budenholzer uh, come out and speak about Jacob Blake, which happening in their home state of Wisconsin in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody mincing words in the NBA. Everybody uh, not forgetting what they are down there to do. And, and basketball has definitely taken a, a front seat. Um, and, and that has bothered some players, like it has George Hill. And, and I know we're, we'll get to the boycott story here, but mm-hmm. Budenholzer doesn't mess around. He doesn't. And that was definitely a part of. Uh, of their day, so it was. I'm sure it was an emotional day for all of them, and and that team was there. It was nice to see all of the guys there, and uh, it's it's a unit. It's a, it's a special unit league bubble thing we we've got going on here. But um, the work has not stopped for everybody down there. So that was it was refreshing to hear uh, uh, coach talk about that. Yeah, before we get to this uh, possibility of players boycotting games um, being thrown around, what do you think of Shaq's Greek tasks? I wanted you to break that down. Did you catch that part where he tried to speak Greek? To, yeah, I was, uh, with, uh, I was with Giannis. I, I didn't understand <laughs> half of it. He did. Say, he tried to say Sikharitiria, which is congratulations. Okay. And Giannis got that. I got that too. Okay. Uh, but after that, I don't know. I'm really, really confused because I don't know what he was. He just, he just stopped. I think he was going <laughs> syllable for syllable. Yeah. And it's really tough to... To wrap your mind around with what was going on there. So you got somebody, congratulations, yeah, so, though. You got that part. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, uh, yeah. Somebody, uh, somebody up there, underdog, probably did a little Google Translate for him and threw <laughs> that sheet in front of him before the show. And I don't know, you know. And Shaq's not the most clearly spoken guy, as much as Shaq is the the greatest up there. Yeah, uh, didn't know what the heck he was saying. No, and, and multiple times he repeated it, and Giannis couldn't get it. Uh, yeah, he's just like. Yeah. And right. they went back to the "Can you say Yanis's last name?" joke as well. You you know they like repeating jokes there, Skeets, on inside the NBA. It wasn't oh, running to the board, but yeah, Shaq has tried to uh, say his name before. Oh, he 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 did it pretty well though. He actually did it very well um, in comparison to last time. They uh, sorry, I'm a little distracted. The the French drain guy is literally out the window. I don't know if you can see him. Who was that? Danny, our audio guy? Oh, man. <laughs> well, I guess I missed Was he a pickle? Hey, the guy tells me he's coming at at lunch. I'll be around lunch. Come on, 10 Well, they're never minutes. early. Yeah. Wow. I that's know. Incredible. That's what I said. I was talking to Nora. I was like, nah, I'll be fine. He says lunch. That means he's going to call me around 1230. He'll be here around 1. Uh, and then here he is. He showed up like a half hour ago. He's been out the window like this whole time. I keep looking over. Anyway. People uh, need work. People need work. I was going to say something about the, the Greek and Shaq thing, and I can't remember, so let's just move on. All right. 
The other piece of uh, news I want to get to, we were, we were alluding to it, the Raptors and Celtics are scheduled to play in the Eastern Conference semifinals starting tomorrow, but members of both teams have discussed boycotting games in protest of Jacob Blake being shot multiple times by police officers in Wisconsin. Uh, Norman Powell told reporters a boycott is being talked about because, quote, taking a knee is not getting it done. Marcus Smart echoed those sentiments, quote, it's something in the back of our mind. There's more important things in basketball right now. You said it, Tass. There's a lot of guys speaking out about this. Van Vliet, Jalen Brown, uh, George Hill, of course, LeBron. Um, yeah, I just like want to get your opinion on this. I wanted to obviously get this in the show of, uh, I don't, not that I'm saying like, what would your reaction to be if the Celtics and Raptors decide to not play basketball tomorrow night? But, um, yeah, just your overall of what's happened over the last couple of days here again in this country and, uh, you know, the burden sort of being put on these players, I think. What do you think, Trey? I definitely feel for the NBA players that they have to go and answer these questions about the police shooting another black man and then go out and try and play a playoff basketball game. It's an impossible situation that they are in right now. And Michelle Roberts told David Aldridge that there's just a feeling of helplessness. And I think that that's what you're getting from a guy like George Hill saying there's nothing we can do in the bubble. And that's why uh, it seems like the boycott talk has started because there are a a set of league-approved protests, which means that they're not really protests, right? Like you can kneel for the anthem. You can wear this set of phrases on the back of your jersey. But those are just words and those are just uh, images that we see. Perhaps a boycott, one of the very few things that the players could actually do to put pressure on governors to therefore put pressure on politicians and other influential people. I think that that's why you're hearing that they're trying to figure out something they can do to keep uh, the focus on the Black Lives Matter movement on police brutality and the systemic racism that has infected police forces across the country for hundreds and hundreds of years. They're trying to figure out anything they can do to be a positive voice and a positive to give positive messages Uh, to the people out in the communities. You saw Jalen Brown tweeting, I want to be out there protesting. And I think that that's, uh, players are trying to find out what they can actually do to have an impact while staying in the bubble. And if that means that they're boycotting, more power to them because there's not a lot they can do at this point Uh, since they're there and things have already started. We're already in the middle of the playoffs. Um, It's an impossible situation for them. It's Mm -hmm. not their job to be, uh, to be the most visible voices in police brutality, but the police have continued to shoot people uh, while we're in the bubble and players were hoping. I assume that all of this messaging regarding Black Lives Matter and the social justice messages on the back of the jersey would keep the, mo- the momentum going to the point that, they, that people wouldn't have to be reacting to this during the bubble. Obviously, nobody thought that T-shirts were going to solve the problem, but maybe continuing to talk about it would prevent something from happening in the meantime. That hasn't happened, and now we're getting a lot more questions about another shooting. So a boycott is something that could possibly have an effect. Uh, We'll see if it actually happens. There's a lot of emotions right now. That's another phrase you heard from quite a few players. People are hurting. They're trying to figure out what they can do to help. Yeah, I think that's right. I think the players, I think a lot of people, um, empathetic people at that at least, are trying to figure out how to translate words and emotions, like you said, Trey, into action. And what do you do? And it leaves you feeling a little bit like sort of hopeless and like what like what can I do and like this isn't working so maybe now we try this I think that's where some of their heads are going but uh Tass Lee anything to add I'll just say last night at the uh Republican National Convention the uh Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron spoke now he's the one who has the power to arrest the police officer who murdered Breonna Taylor and he hasn't done that yet Mm -hmm. and he should be doing that there is absolutely no reason why 
this has dragged on for this long. There's no question that the police went in there. She was asleep and they murdered her in her sleep. They should be arrested immediately and charged with murder. And there's no question whatsoever that that should happen today. And it's taken far too long. He's making excuses. He's delaying things. And that's simply not good enough. That There's no way a person should be asleep in their own bed at home. People break into their house and murdered. And that has happened by police officers. And the Attorney General, Daniel Cameron, has not taken action. And that is simply unforgivable. Unforgivable at this point. So rather than getting up there and being a spokesman for the for the Trump campaign, get out and do your job and arrest the police officers who murdered Breonna Taylor. Yeah, enough people have to care about that to pressure politicians to actually make changes. And uh, I really, really appreciate all the NBA players being ridiculously vulnerable and saying what they feel and being extremely emotional and 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 just expressing everything that is inside them because I don't think this would have happened 10 years ago in the NBA. And and this has obviously been an issue uh, in America for a long time and basketball players are taking a step in the right direction in general, just as, a, as somebody who's covered the league for a long time. I'm proud of uh, watching all these guys having to put their hearts on the line, which is so, so unfortunate, but they're doing it because people need to do it. And the fact is that, yeah, the... Uh, the Kentucky Attorney General uh, has the ability to do it, um, but I, I don't think boycotting a game. I don't even know if these guys just decided, "Hey, we're not playing," we're, or boycotting the rest of the season changes anything amongst lawmakers, amongst yeah legislators, amongst uh, Congress. It, it it doesn't do enough. That's not enough to actually change police systems, which have to be torn down and, and built up. And so, shooting people isn't. Uh, the first and second option, but the absolute last option, as JD has said uh, in in the past, that you have to actually tear it down uh, to build it back up. And so more pressure from all corners of the country has to, it has to, has Mm -hmm. to happen. And it's, it's really, really sad what's happening in, in, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, not just what happened (laughs) shooting a man seven times in the back, but also the, the, the fallout where it's just a, it's a battleground for, People who can't see that this was a man, uh, that now it's it's more a, a political issue and that people are are continuing uh, to fight at this, you know, this gas station where there was these uh, a shootout, essentially, and more people died. And so it's uh, it, it's not just it, it is great to hear Fred Van Vliet and George Hill and Jalen Brown. Those statements were were gut wrenching. Um, but I hope that it, it translates to every person in this country that things have to change. Everything has to change. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's going to be a slow, slow effect. And guys walking away from a game on Thursday, it might be a tiny, tiny signal uh, to everybody. But uh, I wonder what the conversations are behind closed doors, if it's even going to be bigger uh, or things that need to be bigger because it's the stuff, it's not the jerseys. It's the stuff that happens behind closed doors. That's really going to change things. We'll see what those, uh, both the Celtics and Raptors or other teams decide to do for sure. All right. We got tweet of the night still to get to. We got a fun one to uh, dissect. We'll look ahead to the games, but first another quick word from our sponsors. My God, everybody wants to sponsor. No dunks, baby. (laughs) Who we got Tess? The following paragraph was written without implementing the suggestions of Grammarly. If you're communicating with your team on the internet, 
Grammarly is the digital tool you can always rely on to relay your message across clearly and effectively. Grammarly works across platforms such as Gmail, Google Docs, and Slack. Signing up for a Grammarly account is free and gives you real-time spelling and grammar checks at all times. And now, that paragraph after being tweaked by Grammarly. If you're communicating with your team online, Grammarly is the digital writing tool you can always rely on to get your message across clearly and effectively. Grammarly works on multiple platforms, including Gmail, Google Docs, and Slack. Signing up for a Grammarly account is free and gives you real-time spelling and grammar checks as you write. Much better. And me, personally, I've gone beyond the free service. Grammarly Premium gives users advanced feedback on tone, word choice, punctuation, and more. Sometimes I can get a little wordy in an email, as you heard above, but Grammarly Premium has made my writing more concise by cutting out unnecessary and redundant words. It's even helped me avoid overused words by subbing in more memorable choices. And you can get 20% off Grammarly Premium when you sign up at Grammarly.com slash no dunks. That's 20% off Grammarly Premium at Grammarly.com slash no dunks. G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash no dunks. Awesome. Let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Oh, we got Lily. So, uh, Tweet of the Night is actually a video, but Skeetsy, before you freak out, it's audio, so it's going to work okay in the podcast <laughs> oh, an version. audio video. Okay. okay. And, it com- and it comes from uh, NBA Twitter Live, which is an NBA on TNT production. Yep. Uh, Kawhi Leonard had another great game. We've already talked about that last night. But this video features Channing Fry, Taylor Brooks, and Spencer Dinwiddie. And Dinwiddie is talking about where Kawhi Leonard stands right now, and as great as he is, and he has been, but there's one reason that he may not ever enter the true GOAT conversation. Bruh, if, if he was in the business of trying to be the greatest of all time, to Channing's point, probably having a little bit more uh, regular season production, a little bit more flash, a little bit more pizzazz, and then also, he probably should just stay signed with Nike. Nike's the greatest marketing company in the history of the world, especially as it pertains to the greatest of all time basketball conversation. If you look at all the best athletes that have come through and people say are in the GOAT conversation, what's the common denominator? Nike. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was Adidas, and he's by far the best basketball player of all time. If we look at high school, college, pro, nobody cares about him at all. Oh, I love like, that. Let, let's be real here. It's the truth. It's the truth. It is the LeBron, truth. LeBron, Kobe, Mike. Like, no, I was laughing. They, they tell the story better than love anybody it. else. Kawhi with New Balance, they're going to bury him. He'll never be in the greatest <laughs> of all time conversation. Like, they're going to bury him. You will never hear about it. The next person they're breeding up and, and, and pushing now, Giannis, the freak too. Like, that's what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, that, it, it's, it's written. Like, it is literally written, and this is the path that these people are on. They just have to do their part in terms of on the court. You know what I'm saying? So you can't obviously discredit anything that LeBron or anybody else that is in that situation has done because they have to actually produce. But, like, you have to have the machine behind you, making sure that everybody is, you're constantly on the forefront of people's minds. Because if you're not, you're forgotten about. And if you're a robot like Kawhi is, no matter if you have probably the single greatest feat in NBA history, because three finals MVPs, three championships with three different teams, I mean, if LeBron does it, they're solidifying him as the GOAT. Wow. So uh, interesting, interesting take there from uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. I think he had a couple of points. The one I wanted to address first, though, is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Some do consider him the greatest of all time, but I I don't think um, it's because he was sponsored by Adidas and not Nike, because Nike didn't really even exist 
back then when he was at his peak. I think it's more just the sands of time. We move on. You know, Kareem was a great player, but the game has just changed so much, a completely different era that he just, you know, it's just, it's natural that the younger generation come through, don't know so much about a guy like Kareem and, and sort of see the skyhook. And that's kind of it. He doesn't light up the highlight reel with all these other players. So I think that's more where Kareem sits. I think most basketball historians have Kareem top five anyway, still around that area, but things have changed and things have moved on. Now, as far as his uh, Kawhi Leonard taken and, and not being with Nike, I think there is some validity to that. I, I think there's no question that Nike has such a powerful PR campaign behind their athletes that it certainly projects them more so than a New Balance athlete will get for sure. Okay. No matter what, no matter what Kawhi achieves. Now, he's assuming, of course, that the Clippers win the championship this year and Kawhi gets MVP, Finals MVP. Now, Kawhi could win three, four championships, still more, and I think that to me is still going to have heavier sway overall than a shoe company yes yes i do so i think Kawhi is young enough that he could still win multiple championships and if he wins five or six then i think that's going to elevate him into that conversation no matter what shoes but there's some truth to what dinwiddie is saying of not being with nike the the ultimate pr machine Yes, and I believe you that. at the forefront of everyone's conversation. Yeah, yes, yeah, I, I, mean, I agree with that part. But I, but I think winning is what's ultimately going to going to put him in the conversation. Right. I mean, the counter is Tim Duncan was with Nike. <laughs> um, not even a counter. I guess this is actually almost goes to what Dinwiddie is saying. He was with Nike, um, but nobody puts him in the goat conversation. Because he's not, sorry, it has nothing to do with the shoes. It's because it's the guy. And Tim Duncan is not marketable. Kawhi Leonard right. is not really marketable. It's their personality. That's fine. You don't need to be. But that's the reason why. Not maybe as much who you're wearing on your on your feet, uh, the, the shoe company you have. Maybe. Maybe. Trey, I mean, you're the soul man. What do you think? Well, Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time because he won six championships and he had six finals MVP. And the reason Nike is what they are is because Michael Jordan is what he was. So to me, the the argument makes sense a little bit. Nike has an incredible marketing machine, but the winning is the biggest part of it. You know, uh, the winning and the being charismatic. Uh, and I also think that Dinwiddie hit on something very early in this that is getting overshadowed by the Nike Adidas talk is that Michael Jordan played 82 games a season and tried to win every single one of them. Kawhi Leonard, he's happy to give you 60. You can't be the greatest of all time if you're not playing full regular right. seasons. Those games actually still matter a little bit, but I do think it's weird uh, that we're talking about where LeBron and Kawhi are going to fall on the greatest of all time list if they pull off the exact same feat, three championships with uh, three finals MVPs. I'll still take six over three or four. <laughs> Fair, Tass. What would you add to this? Well, I think Spencer did what he said, two things at the exact same time. He said uh, that Kawhi... Not being on Nike hurts, which is 100% true. Uh, and I think it did hurt uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar back then. But at the same time, yeah, he doesn't have the pizzazz, which also hurts. And so right. uh, it's a bunch. It's it's two those two things at the same time. And uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar didn't have that demonstrative in-your-face uh, type of personality on the floor or the game. And so... That's why people loved MJ because he had both, and and yeah, Nike took him to another level, and he took Nike to another level. So yeah, it, it works in both. Yeah, it goes hand in hand. And he needed a Kareem needed a little more pizzazz, and I don't think it's recency bias that because MJ you know hasn't been uh, around for a long time. It's just that all the accolades are sticking around. They're still, uh, they're still, yeah, six for six is, is very important in people's eyes. People like 
when they're watching basketball, they don't want uh, a team guy. And though the guys who stand out are the guys who did had individual achievements and are spunky and uh, you know are outspoken, and so the, those those rank people higher than than others. But yeah, I don't understand what Spencer Dinwiddie's. There's the purists. That's the purist standpoint. That's the it's the the KD sort of point of view that looking at it, it's not about the talk and about the chatter and about the shoes. It's about what you did on the court. So mm-hmm. Kareem, yeah, the argument for the, the few people that like Kareem, there's there's a few of them, but they're all the sort of the purists and they're not the the general fan that Spencer Dinwiddie uh, is talking to. He's, he's not going to influence, he's not going to influence people uh, by saying that. It's just not, it's not going to be the case because of the, what people value when they watch uh, basketball games. I don't think New Balance is going to quote unquote bury him they're trying to make him a a fun guy yeah Um, i would say we talk more about Kawhi leonard since he's been with new balance uh than when he was with jordan brand you know Uh, he gets more jordan comparisons now than he did when he was actually wearing jordan shoes and it's because he won another title and he's got a chance to win another title and another thing spencer dinwiddie is right about Kareem abdul-jabbar is probably the most underrated superstar in league history at this Mm -hmm. point the guy's the all-time leading scorer like uh, Dinwiddie was saying, he was the best high school player when he was in high school. He's maybe the greatest college player yep. of all time. And now he's possibly in the top five in the NBA. He should be third at the lowest. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah, I agree with all that. Um, I thought I saw Stefan Bondi tweeting, too, about all this. You know, Bird and Magic were Converse guys, and they were the faces of the league for a decade. They were marketable. They, they had personality, and it wasn't Nike, of course. Iverson and Shaq were Reebok guys, and they were, like, pushed like crazy. Again, super personal person, personal guys and personality to them, like, to the next uh, degree with Shaq, for sure. So, yeah. But, I mean, it's interesting. I just think it's an interesting argument. He's basically saying Kawhi will never be considered the GOAT, no matter what he does, because he's not with Nike. Yeah. That's wild, um, but maybe there is some crazy truth to it. But is he not with Nike because of his own personality, and that uh, they're like, "Well, we we're not going to sell sell a million shoes." I'm sorry, with just the way you are, and that's fine. You know, we we're going to roll with the Kobe's and the LeBrons and the MJ's of the world, and that's it's proof to work for Nike. It turns out uh, <laughs> they, they make some money off those guys. Yeah. yeah, but Steph Curry was also the biggest star Steph in basketball, Curry? wearing Under Armors until they put out a pair of trash shoes, and he <laughs> lost in the finals and. That's when things changed for Under Armour, yeah. right? You can be the most famous guy in the league wearing shoes that aren't Nikes. You just got to be winning championships. Is Spencer Dinwiddie a Nike guy? No, he has his own pair of shoes that he designs. They're called oh. like Kyos or something like that. Okay. He changes them for every game. Oh, yeah, okay. and, I, and I like that fact that guys like him or Kawhi are trying to do their own thing because it just breeds more competition for yeah. Nike. Yeah. Like they are, it's just a, it's an extension of what guys are trying to do by going to their own teams and starting their own thing, starting their, you know, the, the super team in Brooklyn, it's all an extension of the same thing. Like I'm going to do more. And so, yeah, it just creates more competition. And it is true. Kawhi was buried in his previous basketball you know, shoe life. <laughs> now that he is with uh, new balance, he's, He's a mushroom. He's a real fun guy. Oh, boy. (laughs) I will say, you know, we've watched so much basketball. We're seeing the same commercials over and over and over and over again. I know you guys agree with me. I don't mind the New Balance one I see every time with Kawhi. I actually oddly like that commercial, that little piano one. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, Yeah, I I like it every time I see him. This is great. This is perfect for Kawhi. And the new shoes he's got out, I think they're called the Four Bounces or something. 
Yep. Look yes. pretty good. They look pretty good. Quite right. an improvement to the Matt Bonner New Balance days, <laughs> where they just you. throw an N on the side of a generic shoe and call it a day. Oh, mm. dare you. Oh, <laughs> dare you, man. All right. So let's hear from you guys, both uh, in the YouTube comments, of course, uh, and uh, everybody that uh, emails hey, uh, in the comments. Sorry, just, just one Go thing ahead. too. Quickly, uh, I just actually got a pair of Paul George's in the mail, uh, Trey. And uh, this is interesting because they're they're these bright orange shoes. So uh, yeah, would you wear a pair of Paul George? I'll, I'll put a photo up. I'll show you because they're uh, they're they're the uh, PG Gatorade fours or something they're called. They sent them to me, and uh, they're really they're, they're Trey Kirby specials. I tell you what. Well, How I know you? Paul George loves fishing, so I'd Ooh. love to wear them and fall in the lake. <laughs> well, you're still on the uh, the Paul George Nike list, are you there, Lily? Apparently, Good apparently, for you. yeah, yeah, Good for you. And then yeah. you're betting against them. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to help out you. I know you've got to spend six thousand dollars on your drain. Yeah. So, right. <laughs> yeah, let, let's wrap this up so I can go find out how much it's going to cost me to put a put a French drain in down the side of my house. Tass, what we got today? Well, I'm going to try and get you some more money for your Frenchy drain here, (laughs) Skeets. We got a triple header today. It starts with Orlando and Milwaukee on NBA TV, then two games on TNT, OKC Houston, Portland, and the Lakers. But let's jump back to that NBA TV game because Orlando and Milwaukee, uh, I'm going to be watching the closest today because those latter two games, couple injuries, no Russell Westbrook for sure in that last, in the second game, and no Damian Lillard for sure in that, in that game against the Lakers obviously going to be a blowout I assume by the Lakers but I want to see how Milwaukee closes this thing out I assume they're going to close it out but I think they need a really good game to take them into round two against the Miami Heat because they have not been good and I don't think they want to play coming from behind against the Miami Heat and if they're not playing well Miami's going to jump on them immediately in that series because that's who Miami is so I think they're going to be uh, playing hard, and it's going to be an extension of Game 4 where uh, Chris Middleton, and that brings us to our bet, Chris Middleton should be shooting his butt off in this game. So put up some numbers, make a bet. Uh, I, I, I desperately don't want to see you out of pocket six grand. So let's see how much Lee wants to give you for Chris Middleton. Let's see it. Let's throw, throw a number Put a French drain on it. Ooh, yeah, what, what do you got, Lee? What do you got? What's the over French drain Middleton? your pockets, for, Lee. For Middleton, I'll, uh, I'll set the line today at uh, 27 and a half for Middleton today. Ooh, wow, okay. that's high. It's a little higher than I would have liked. Yeah, but I get think you down I, to a 25 and a half. 25 and a half. All right, let's do 25. Who cares? Why not? All right, 25 and a half. We'll put 10 bucks back on it. Yeah, why not? Sure. All right, I got the over. Middleton's going for 26 or more. You say uh, he still stays relatively cold. I mean, 25 would be a good game, but okay, 25 and under for you. <laughs> Done. Okay, great. <laughs> virtual handshake. I, I, I hope you win again, man, because I'm going to feel bad if you're if you're paying out for these drains. And uh, don't uh, feel bad for me, guys. And then I'm, right? and then I'm it's okay. You, you know, <laughs> well, we'll get through this. You know, but hey, you got to take water very seriously. You know, like uh, again, it's uh, <laughs> totally it's absolutely very powerful. Um, <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll see what this uh, is going to put me back here. Oh boy, I can't wait. All right. Right. Email us your questions and comments to no dunks at theathletic.com. Grab yourself a sweet no dunks t shirt over at no dunks.com. Tess, are you rocking at no dunks there today, too? No, sir. We just have the same color no, blue. No, sir. On. Very weird. Yeah, it's All just right. a blue. It's a standard on. blue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just wearing the same shirt for a second. Oh, I'm a Nike guy. I'm trying to rise, rise to the top. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you're the goat, man. You're the goat of this podcast. Uh, and if you listen to this one on iTunes, please leave your boys a five star rating and review. Tomorrow, we're going to get to the Raptors Celtics uh, preview and predictions, and hopefully, maybe the Bucks and the Heat as well. So, we'll try and get that into tomorrow's podcast. Oh, yeah, we got a beach step into Micah. Podcasts keep coming left and right. Clipper Bros, 
You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And I think I can speak for the guys when I say very proud of all the NBA players and coaches, Dockers included, for continuing to speak out against these social injustices we see every day in our country. Brace the day, people. You could stay.